0: Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian
1: University. Here's
0: Jeff Hunt. All
1: right, we're talking men on the Frontier Freedom Hour, and joining us is Dr. Owen Strand, provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary, prolific author. He's taken on wokeness, and now he's taking on the effort to bring down men, which is so important in this culture. So, If you missed the first segment, go back to frontierfreedomradio.com. You can catch that. We talk and kind of diagnose the problem out there, the rejection of masculinity. But in this segment, I want to get into this kind of false notion of masculinity that's being promoted, especially online. This kind of grab and take what you want masculinity. Uh, If you want a harem of women, go and get it. If you want your Ferrari, go and get it. Fly in private jets with your friends to golf you know, tournaments go and do it. So, but that's not biblical masculinity. So Dr. Owen Strand, let's talk about the kind of rise of a false notion of masculinity out there.
0: Yeah. You talked about Andrew Tate a few minutes ago and you're dead on. He's got these super cool slow motion Instagram videos or TikTok or whatever it is. And, you know, he's striding through some global destination and uh, beautiful women trailing behind him. And like you said, the Bugatti you know, slow pan to see that in the fleet of cars, and that is extremely appealing to young men today. I talk about this form of manhood in this book, The War on Men, and I call it exaggerated manhood. I think it's one of four major forms of deficient manhood we find mm-hmm. in scripture and in our world. And it's you're you're dead right, uh, Jeff. It's extremely appealing to, uh, to a lot of young men, in particular, because it's a kind of Nietzsche and go and get it, you know, mentality. Take what you want from the world. You don't have to leave it a better place or something like that. You don't have to take dominion. You can just gratify your lusts and become awesome in your own sight. And uh, and so Tate Tate projects a lot of strength. And actually, that's, that's what young men are looking for. Hmm. Young men don't want to be weak. They don't want to be soft. They don't want to be passive. They will be. Uh, don't misunderstand me. But there's a wiring in them to want to be strong, and that means they want strong men around them to look up to. And sadly, Andrew Tate is filling that gap, a gap that, frankly, a lot of, uh, let's just be honest, a lot of conservatives and Christians have not really filled in the last several decades. A lot of boys don't have dads. A lot of boys are from broken homes, uh, or just they're not even plugged in with their dad. And so when that happens, yeah, you go looking for a strong father figure out there, whether you even know you're doing that or not.
1: And it looks fun! I mean, I don't blame him, right? For a, for right. A lot of You're like, that looks like a lot of fun. You know, today I'm going to do reports at work. I'd like to be driving a Bugatti around and flying <laughs> to golf. I mean, it's um, and so it has that appeal, but it's, it's, a, it's a sugar high. Um, it, there's not going to be a long-term depth there. And I think, especially when you get towards the end of your life, you don't hear men that have accomplished a lot, and when I say accomplished a lot, that means built families, built companies, invested in their communities, going, you know, I wish I was 20 years old and um, and I was running around with a harem of women. They, they go, I wish I had, you know, one more day with my wife of 50 years or 60 years, right? So there's, yes. there's, there's a depth, there's a, a meatiness to living a biblical lifestyle that when you get to that age, towards the end of your life, you're going to be much more proud of what you've done than, you know, living out the fantasies of a 17-year-old. How do we—go ahead. Yeah,
0: sorry. I'm sorry, you just got me queued up there. Um, That's because we are wired for that, too. Hmm. We're wired to want to be strong. We're wired to want pleasure, by the way, and God in no way is the squelcher of pleasure. God is the giver of pleasure in this life, and there's a— There's a banquet out there, even in a fallen and chaotic world, of good things that God lets us enjoy uh, throughout our lives, not in an unbroken stream, not in a kind of hedonistic way, in a sinful sense. Hmm. But look, this is the pleasurable life. This is the Christian life that C.S. Lewis, so well-captured in his writing, this is the good life, uh, the Bella Vita. Anyway, but um, that doesn't look like, in all dimensions, uh, the Instagram-ready, exaggerated man life. No. Uh, so much, actually, of the goodness of this world that God has made is in denying yourself. It's in not in gratifying your instincts and desires and passions. It's in dying to them, ruling them by the power of the gospel, hmm. the power of the Spirit in you. So, yeah, as a man, would you rather, at the end of your life, like you said, have you know, uh, have slept with fifty women and and brag about it to your buddies on the golf course, smoking a cigar, or would you rather? have built a five-decade marriage and been faithful to this woman and now you're surrounded by all these, you know, adorable grandkids. Right. Which vision is better? We know which vision is better.
1: That's exactly right. So you you mentioned there are four deficient views of manhood in your book. Describe the other three for us.
0: Yeah, I think Adam shows us in Genesis 3 when the snake shows up, real historical fall that um He's a lost man. He disappears. He's in Eden. Hmm. He should uh, obey God in Genesis two fifteen and protect or keep the garden. He does no such thing. Uh, he's passive. He stands by. So he's a lost man. And um, there's tons of men, Jeff, today who are just disappearing hmm. from their own sin and then from the attacks on the culture that are real attacks on them. They're just like, all right, you you all hate me anyway, so I'm out of here. And uh, and so they just disappear. And then I think there's the soft man as well. I think that's Gideon, uh, in the book of Judges. He's just terrified of anything. You know, you know, a grasshopper chirps, and he thinks he's about to get killed. So he he's the kind of man that our culture really wants us to be in elite sectors. It's okay to have men in the room, but they have to wear their pleated dockers on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they cannot ever use an outside voice. And that's the that's the kind of man that that you know, elite culture, feminist culture wants men to be on many. University campuses. He wants the gelded men, and then there's, um, and then there's Samson, the exaggerated man, and then there's Cain, fourthly and finally the angry man. And a lot of men struggle greatly with their temper. So, so this is not a book, The War on Men, where where I'm like, hey, men, I'm for you, and and you have no weaknesses. No, I'm saying like we have real sin to kill. We have real problems in ourselves, and one of those is anger. One of those is a temper that can really wreak havoc, as you see with Cain, killing Abel. So, um, then there's the fifth type, the good type, and that's the strong man. We could talk about what that means too.
1: The the quiet man that you mentioned, I think, is going to become more prevalent as our culture becomes more hostile, Dr. Strand. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been evaluating at the Centennial Institute what the next kind of future of evangelicalism in America is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we've gone from kind of favored status to neutral status to now hated status, right? So uh, yeah. back yeah. in the 30s, 40s, 50s, going to church was a sign of uh, of intelligence and the fact that you were invested in your community, give you good standing in the community. And then in the kind of 90s, early 2000s, it was neutral. Well, Christianity is good for you, but it's not good for me type of thing. And now mm-hmm. Christianity is in a disfavored Perspective, and so you end up with the Jack Phillipses, right? So we're gonna literally pursue you and drag you before government tribunals because of your faith. So as the culture gets more hostile, this is what I'm seeing in Christian higher education. A number of colleges are putting their heads down in in an embrace that I call, please, for the love of God, don't notice us. Let us us just educate rich, wealthy Christian kids. We promise we won't do any evangelism in the community, and we absolutely (laughs) won't challenge you in any type of political format. So, you know, I I think that's going to be— the de facto position for a lot of evangelicals is the culture gets more hostile. What's your encouragement to them on that?
0: Yeah, I think we've never had more guns, and we've never (laughs) shot less rounds today. Not that we're attacking fellow people, of course, ultimately. We're fighting spiritual powers, Ephesians 6. But yeah, I think you're exactly right, and I think that's having a massive effect on young men. Again, I keep going back, not to, to you and me and older men, who see these trends that we're talking about, and they're like, "This ridiculous," and they're right. Um, and what has happened to Jack Phillips is so, so evil. Um, but, but I'm most concerned, Jeff, with boys and young men, hmm. because they don't have necessarily the toolkit and the training, and a pastor who cares about them or is investing in them, and a father, first and foremost, who's equipping them for the darkness. Because we really are—we're we're getting molded in the shadows right now. I mean, this is not living in the light in terms of where our culture is in its favor so i'm really concerned because i think that is having the exact effect you just you just mentioned that boys and young men are sensing they don't fit and they're sensing that the culture thinks there's something profoundly wrong with them if they ever show strength in any form or or even just masculine qualities and what that means is some of them get angry like i talked about some of them start lighting places up in a horrible way some of them um go soft and just, you know, live by the code and others disappear. And I think we actually hardly anyone has studied this. I think we have a sociological phenomenon right now that I'm seeing where boys don't grow up, where they, you know, they, they eat. maybe they go to college or they don't, but then they move back in with dad and mom. And I'm not saying on this program, because probably some of your listeners are in this situation right now with, with sons, with kids, but that's not ultimately, honestly, a sign that things are going well. It's a sign that boys are doing really badly, because we need young men, single or married alike. You don't have to get married, but we need them to launch out and build things and lead. But as our culture saying not to do that, a lot of them aren't doing it, and that's a disaster unfolding.
1: And if this was any other group out there, we would— claim that this was a crisis and seek to alleviate it. And as you get into your article in The Federalist and in your book, because of our kind of cultural Marxist approach, um, Mm -hmm. we seem to just kind of either justify this or ignore it. We're up against a commercial break. Uh, Dr. Owen Strand is the provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary and author of the new book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. Go to Amazon and check out this book. You're absolutely going to want to purchase this to understand what's happening. It is a crisis. As Dr. Owen Strand was saying, this is a crisis and something we need to address. So when we come back, I'm going to ask Dr. Owen Strand about the foundation of manhood, strong manhood, from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament. What's the hope? What's the vision? He's got it in his book. So stick around. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. We'll be right back.